welcome everyone to the 35th episode of the New Gen Mindset podcast. I'm Dan Cozella here with Nick Tartaglia. Nick, I noticed that there's a bit of a snow in the back from where you're sitting. Yes, um, opposite of which behind you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this is the this is the work from anywhere economy. You could just get up and go and video podcast. And you can say you're enjoying being outside of Quebec right now. I, I honestly, like, I'm very fortunate. And I think at some point, Nick, you might not need to get out, even if you have to quarantine for 14 days, because it's almost like there's life down here in Florida. Um, getting a lot of hate too from some people saying, oh, you're not respecting this. Yeah, I'm like, dude. Everybody, everybody's hating on each other nowadays. Seems to be the norm these days, especially in these crazy times. But look, we're really glad that we could do this remotely too. Um, we're going to talk about something that is on everyone's mind actually. And I think yep. most listeners are really going to enjoy this because ESG has been a topic of discussion uh, that's been floating around the investment community, but we wanted to bring somebody on who's really gutting his feet wet in a very small, but very, very impactful way. Being part of the uh, solution. Exactly. And I think that it really embodies sort of like what the new gen mindset really is, is taking a problem and finding a solution to it, but while gotta, also being responsibly yeah. in, invested in, in a community, right? Complaining, so. as we're realizing, people that just complain are clearly not the ones that are solving any problems. So if all they do is complain, they're going to be complaining for a hundred years till they die. And then their kids are going to start complaining for another hundred years until eventually someone hopefully does something. So they're a very, um, within game theory, it's a, they're a very irrational player where I would say rational in the sense that you can predict that they're never going to do anything. So other people have to offset their lack of productivity to help everybody. And then, especially in the theme of ESG, sustainability is not something that it's just a matter of what we consume. It's a matter of how we behave as humans. And that behavior lines up with how, with how we spend money and how we then spend money is then what dictates how sustainable we come as an economy. It, it's a, it's an alignment and it starts with the human being always. You're on mute. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're good. I was just going to say, it's important to, uh, you know, come back to the one thing and that's people. So we've got somebody on here um, who I've known for a few years um, and he's been really just an entrepreneur at heart. Um, he's a second year at Dalhousie University right now, in his second year, I should say, which was about uh, in 2016. So in his second year, he created a probably his first business um, with $50,000 from, from, from a school grant um, with a company called StuGig Inc. Um, and that was back in 2016. In 2017, he worked in construction technology for a company called Site2020 and jumped to Manulife in the investment world back in May 2019. And now, as he's beginning his uh, first year in law school, um, he's actually founded and created his own company called Eco Smart Utensils Inc. So for those of you that are listening, you know where this is from. This is from the heart and soul of Montreal. Uh, and he's absolutely crushing it right now, even though there are some challenges along the way. Welcome to the New Gen Mindset podcast, Ben Bright. What's up, guys? I'm super glad to be here. Um, so thank you for doing this remotely. Uh, I think, you know, what's really cool is, you know, you, the name that you guys have, New Gen Mindset is super apropos to the times that we're living in right now, um, because I think there's, I would say, three mindsets that are going on in the world right now. You got people who we like to use the word woke, 
I don't really like that term, but we like no. people. Yeah. Uh, we got people who I just don't know where to go. And I won't say sheep, but I'm going to say sheep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got everybody else. So um, I, I think the, the new gen mindset, just the idea behind uh, the name, even though I wasn't there when you guys conceived the name, but if I was to put my own twist on it, I think the reality is, is it's important right now in these times that we're living in is to create your own mindset, create a mindset that suits you not what suits somebody else's narrative, not what suits the people that are telling you, whether it's the politicians, whether it's your, uh, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, but something that means something to you and then go and do something with it. I think, Nick, you were saying something interesting about how, you know, we have all these challenges um, that, that are going on in our, in, in our world with, with all kinds of things, our environment, our health, uh, uh, the food that we eat, uh, the things we consume online, and uh, whatever it is. Uh, and it's those who are actually going to take action. So uh, really, I love the name New Gen Mindset, and I'm super excited to be on with you guys today. So thank you for having me. Cool, man. I think uh, it's, again, I think we're glad that you're here. Nick, we're, we're sitting across from each other, so we're kind of zooming <laughs> through the computer, which is nice right now. But um, Ben, again, appreciate you coming on, and yeah. thanks for the love on that. So what we're going to do, I think it's really just simple. Like, what Nick and I want to know is, like, why did you get into this particular space, and what mm-hmm really lit the fire to get the ball rolling the initiative the start the journey you know where you're going you know just talk yeah, talk 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 yeah absolutely so i was traveling in vietnam with my family last uh, summer complete family vacation um and, and one thing my parents uh they, they love me for the bottom of their heart i know that for a fact but one thing that they can't stand is that I look at everything and everything becomes business. And so we're sitting in a restaurant. A everything restaurant. is business, by the way. So that's it, right? Like <laughs> I, I just look at things and I see opportunity. And there so I'm sitting in this restaurant and uh, I, I order a Diet Coke. And the Coke, that, uh, the Coke that I ordered came with a straw. But it wasn't a normal plastic straw. It was a straw made out of grass. And we had, we had this tour guide with us who was at, uh, doing his master's at the local university. And uh, I said to him, his American name is Hunter, and he's become a very good friend of mine now, actually. Um, and uh, I said to him, I said, Hunter, I want to know what, what is the deal with these straws? Are the most restaurants, you know, you use plastic still? Do they use paper? Um, and he said, you know, we have all kinds of alternatives. I said, really, that's, that's interesting because in 2021, there's going to be a single-use uh, plastics ban in Canada and, and most of the G7 countries actually followed suit um, last, I think it was last year in Quebec City, um, signing on to this global movement of reducing and eliminating single-use plastic. So I said to him, I said, I'd like to go see a factory. So, uh, you know, my mom and my sister were like, well, you know, this is a family vacation. You're not going to take our tour guide to go to a factory. I said, yeah, yes, I am. And so we ended up going the next day. Uh, he got in touch with one of his business professors and he introduced us to a factory. And uh, although they didn't make the straws out of rice, uh, out, of, out of grass, uh, they were manufacturing straws made out of rice. And I hit it off with the factory owners. And before I even left the family vacation, I had another trip back with an attorney uh, to go and sign a deal with the factory. And uh, this was... September 2019. Um, and I was still working my job at Manulife. Um, and if my uh, boss at Manulife is listening to this or ever comes across this, I'll be honest with you, I was not sick for the week that I told you I was sick, that I took <laughs> off. I actually flew across the world 48 hours to meet with uh, the factory owners, sign a contract, and I took the exclusive rights on their factory uh, for North, South, and Central America. And our goal was to absolutely just you know, distribute these straws to the hotel industry, the food distributors, um, and not go B to C at all. Just go B to B container mm. loads um, because it's small, it's, it's small margins. So you got to do volume. And so we worked 
for, for the first couple of months, just lining up uh, our clients. And the factory informed us that they're actually going to expand the factory and move to a new location. And they invited me to come back in January to see the new location and to finalize, uh, you know, just a couple of logistics. Our contract was to kick off January 2020. I flew back to Vietnam uh, January 9th, 2020. And at this point, I had left Manulife, parted ways, amazing experience there. Um, but I wanted to just do something more. Uh, I wanted to do something that's more exciting and that's fulfilling. And to be honest, like, or, you know, everything that I was doing at Manulife was fulfilling. I felt like I was helping people solve their problems, but I'm not a finance person. I'm a relationship builder. And so to fast forward, I'm, I'm in Vietnam, January 9th. Um, and I work with the, the, the factory. I work with the boxing companies. I work with the logistics company, Kuninagel, global uh, freighting company. And we're, we're get, getting ready to kick off. I returned back home uh, January 23rd. And I was just actually telling uh, Dan that um, I was invited to go to Wuhan on January 15th. I had a buddy from university at Dalhousie who's Chinese. And he said, Ben, like you're in Vietnam. Why don't you come over to Wuhan to China? And I said, sure, I'll look at flights. And for whatever reason, I said, you know what? I'm not going. Like, I want to go back home. I've been in Vietnam for two and a half weeks alone. I'm, I'm happy to, to, to go home. And, you know, I landed in Washington. Um, and I turned on the news at my hotel. I had an overnight uh, connecting. And I see the, this virus broke out. And wow. so I, I don't want to get into the virus thing. But it's kind yeah, of- yeah, but it was a coincidence. You nearly got stuck. I nearly got stuck. I nearly ended up going to Wuhan. Um, and so anyways, fast forward to uh, March, you know, we, we had contracts lined up. We had 40 Burger Kings in California testing the straws cool. and we were ready to roll. And then, you know, the COVID broke out mm. and this was obviously a challenge because we lost everything. People are not thinking about what straws they're using, what cups they're using. They're well, restaurants is a huge component in Canada, you know, and that's a huge thing that's been shut down. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so what this forced me to do is instead of saying, let me throw in the towel on this project, a great project, not, not really let me throw it in. I said, you know what, let's go B2C. Let's start by going online. I had no plans to go online. There's no money in the online, um, but let's create awareness. Let's create a brand out of this. So very quickly and very cheaply, we threw something up online, um, hoping the restaurants would be open soon. Um, we got something online. We launched June 1st online, like our B2C segment. And uh, to make a long story short is, um, uh, we started selling. We've been selling online quite quite a lot. And so we're in a, in a, a rebrand phase entirely. Uh, we got about 20 restaurants in Montreal on boards. Mandy Salads, all locations use our straws. We have Mercanti Coffee, Pigeon Coffee, um, you know, mm. just a bunch of locations, but not enough to sustain the, the business. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going, uh, January 15th, we're going to be launching a complete rebrand, a whole new experience with whole, a whole new range of products. On top of the rice straws, we're going to be offering uh, cutlery, forks, knives, spoons, to-go containers made out of eucalyptus, mm. everything 100% natural. Wow. And that's our goal. Our goal is to slowly eliminate single-use plastics. And our slogan, our motto, our hashtag, whatever you want to call it, is do your part. You don't have to be a left-wing yogi, sell your car, and get a horse and buggy. You can do something small like changing the forks you use, the knives you use, and the straws you use. And that's really our mission. And we hope that as things start clearing up, and they are, uh, starting to the contracts that we had uh, with some of the larger players, um, like the Marriott in Costa Rica, they put a trial order back November 2019. Um, it's all starting to come back slowly, but 
it's obviously a challenge that we're getting. 100%. This created a, um, you're not alone. This created a significant barrier for a lot of businesses, especially startups or the case would be, because it completely shifted the dynamic, the natural dynamics of a business environment. Because now mm -hmm. you have literally a centralized government who's dictating how things are behaving. So you have a very irrational expectation on the market that you can't predict very well because you don't know if they're going to do another six months of lockdown because, well, now we have a second wave of virus. So it, it's really messing with a lot of business dynamics. And it's definitely a yeah, huge no, risk. Uh, no, no, I, just to touch on that point, I think the, there, there's a very much an organic, it's, it's an organic systematic flow of trade that if you're not the government, it's absolutely disturbed. Mm -hmm. And, or if you're not a massive player. Exactly. And so, which is very, very dangerous for the 100%. small businesses and, and the startups. And this is the first business that I'm involved in that is not tech-based. So at least with tech, you know, you can, you know, build your tech, scale your tech. You don't have to be in person. Um, I'm building relationships with factories, with suppliers, with, with, uh, with food distributors. Not being able to do that and doing that remotely is just a different experience. I'm not selling anything fancy. I bring a straw to you. You like the straw? Great. Where we're not updating, managing your software. But I need to be able to come to you in person, yeah. show you, and you need to, you know, in the ecosystem, you need to be able to follow suit and bring that straw. If you serve a thousand restaurants under your food distribution brand, you need to be able to bring that straw and say, hey, this is the new straw we're selling to you. Can't do that because the guys on the, the bottom end, the food distributors, uh, excuse me, the, the restaurateurs, they're, they're limited to what they can do, what they can spend right now. The food distributors are limited to what they can sell. And then you got guys like me are trying to come in with something that is going to be sustainable, good for the environment, better for the future of our world. And we're being held down. We're being held captive. So it, it's sad that everything we have to talk about now relates to COVID. Um, but it's, it's this new reality, if you will. You have to adapt. It's part of being an entrepreneur. It's part of it's It's old school warrior stuff, new age entrepreneurs are basically old school warriors. You have to adapt to whatever the environment throws at you. If you want to survive, if you want to thrive, if you want to, if you want to give those solutions, it's like we were talking before, right? People that complain, 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 they're never going to solve a problem for anybody. We accept that there's a problem. We accept that it's a big problem, but at the end of the day, it's out of our control. The only thing we do is work with it and try to optimize the, the problem is in by fixing it. And what I was thinking about, especially with, um, your stuff was like, did you guys consider um, camping and stuff? Minimalism, camping, uh, pack, like, because it's one component. When you go camping, you could just leave all your Tupperware there since it's, you could just decompose it, right? Mm, that's a very interesting, uh, very interesting concept. Because it, it literally correlates. It, it, a lot of people who are especially into camping nowadays to minimalism, a lot of the component is, well, if I'm going to go camping, what's the point of me having to worry about bringing back all these Tupperwares and utensils? I could just leave it there and I'll decompose. Not to, okay, not not to, throw, not to throw anybody under the bus here, but Ben, are you giving away equity to your business for this? <laughs> hey, look, for the, for the right price, man, we can make something work. Everything in life is negotiable, so we, yeah, we can figure something out. That, that, that's, that's a phenomenal idea. Um, but, but that's really it. That, that's really it. It's like the idea of like, you know, I, I think you hit it with two major points. The new age warrior, for sure. Um, there's, it comes back to the first thing I said. Like, we can accept what it is or we can do something about it within the parameters of us being allowed to do something about it. um and i think the new age warrior there's a there's a new uh, name for a podcast or a, a show right there new age warriors i love that um but but the other thing is the, the minimalism um and i think we're starting to see people scale back um on their consumption of consumer goods mm -hmm. um and this is its own conversation but mm -hmm. i i think people are really starting to realize i mean i see it myself um you know I, i'm really just appreciating certain things a lot more than I ever have 
And it comes back to the fact that, look, like you said, there's a virus. I'm not going to deny, I'm not a virus denier. I'm a person, I've been saying this to Dan all day over our breakfast, is that I'm a person who is uh, rational. What's going on in the way that we're reacting to this is not rational and there's mass hysteria. That's my issue. My issue is not that there's a virus. And I think the minimalism is, uh, is only being exposed um, at, at a greater level now where people are turning away from their phones. They are turning away from their devices. They are turning away from this consumerism mindset because of this reset, whatever you want to call it. I, I hate to use certain terms because then you get shot in the foot. But. <laughs> no, but honestly, I entirely agree because I find it fascinating because when you look at human dynamics, humans always cyclically behave. They always shift their attention to wherever they can't get something or they don't have. So the consumerism market is fueled by our own human behavior that we always want things that we don't have. But as a millennial, us being, and the younger guys, we're born in an environment where we basically have everything we want. So now there's a new problem that that's created. And it's that, well, we no longer know how to create value out of the little things we have or how to see that value. So now there's a cyclical behavioral shift occurring again, although guaranteed, I'm, 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 I, I think that a huge component of this is because correlated back to the abuse of the monetary system, because of all this inflation going on, people can't really afford a lot of things going on anymore. So they don't have really, it's kind of like a self-inflicted wound that says, well, I have to shift my consumer behavior because I can't afford a lot of things anymore. Government's shutting down this and that. So I have to kind of shift the way I want to behave. So consumerism uh, or as I say, minimalism is definitely a new trend that's picking up more so now lately. And it, it aligns with ESG. It aligns with uh, camping. And I definitely see the purpose in what you're doing, you know, because a lot of people are not doing it. I, the only thing I, I can say is like, I do see people have like quinoa straws, but that's as far as the competition goes. Like, I don't really see much products out there that are developing a positive trend because people are just so focused on trying to make whatever money they want, they can right now that they're not delaying a, a, like their gratification to make to kind of yield the long-term result, which is something that in your environment is definitely going to require. Yeah. And, and I think that at the end of the day, that um, you, what exactly what you just said, when it comes down to uh, the long-term results and people, you know, wanting this instant gratification, I, I think what it is is people almost have this mindset of what do I have to lose? And I, I say that from the angle of, I'm going to go buy all these things because I have nothing to lose. Now people are taking a step back, in my opinion, saying, well, I have things to lose because all of a sudden it's all out of my control. Uh, and, and, you know, look, what, what was it? I don't know the exact stat, but it was some insane amount. I think it was like, like 36%. Quote me if I'm uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but like something about all the money that's been printed in the U.S. was like printed this year, like a, a crazy percentage. 33%, 33% exactly. Yeah, 33%. Like, <laughs> Dad, Dad's going to gonna want to say something about this. <laughs> yeah, and jump in, but it's like to think that is absolutely insane because where the heck did all that money just come from? The and then future. what the hell is it being poured into? Mm -hmm. so maybe, maybe I'll chime in here real quickly about that. <laughs> Um, cause Ben and I got to like unmute and mute so we don't echo each other, but no, it, it is crazy. And I think 2020, and I think Ben, you'll agree with this, but like 2020 is the year where if you didn't plant any seeds for yourself, for the future, it doesn't matter what it is. Like you could be selling t-shirts or, or coffee mugs for, to say the least, but you know, and Ben's a perfect example of that. Cause it's just, you know, it's, it's straws, but this is something that is actually helping solving a problem. It has a purpose. It has a purpose. Exactly. We've, I think we've gone through the U S particularly has made, 
has has printed more money this year than the last like 12 years. Oh, just to put that into perspective, you got to borrow to the future to make that back. And here's the other thing. Where is this money coming from? That's like the question that nobody seems to understand. And Ben, I'll bring this up right now, but we were talking about it. It's like, look, if you have a way to make money this year to plant more seeds by leveraging yourself in a very smart way, why not take that opportunity right now? Right? It's the one thing, it's one thing to say, oh, let me take something out and then like not repay it back. But then there's another thing to just say, okay, let me use this as an opportunity to build something. And then from that, like something will come out of it if I if I continue the momentum that the compounding, one of the greatest wonders of earth on earth. Exactly. And it's not just with investing too, it's with running a business, it's with being a consultant, it's with whatever it is that you're doing, even playing golf. We're, we got a golf course out here. I'm just thinking about that. But no, like Ben, like I think you like you're you've nailed it perfectly. It's like, what are you doing right now to solve a problem that could potentially be helpful for a lot of other people that might not realize at that time, right? It's it's I Ben, I think that for you, your ESG thing, it's about a story. Like I really believe it's about a story because the thing is a lot of humans, because we're so short-term sighted, especially nowadays, people tend to forget the 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 need to understand history and stories. And stories helps contextualize, it helps give meaning to a purpose. And I think that especially in the theme of ESG, uh sustainability and everything like that. People need to understand the story and the value behind which that product is serves. It's not about saving you a couple. It's not about uh, it being a little more expensive or the fact that you have to get a new one. The purpose is that there's a story of which we need to shift our behaviors as humans and as consumers. And this aligns in that image and companies that want to respect this new dynamic force that's, that's starting to rise. If they don't shift their behaviors to accommodate that, then ideally what we want in the principles of a free market is we want consumers to shun those those businesses and say, if you do not adapt to that, then we will not pay you. If you want our money, you need to adopt these good behaviors and the type of products you provide are in line with that. You know, like you go to St. Hubert, you go anywhere and you get these packages of plastic forks, plastic knives. Oh, it's trash. Exactly. But that alone is the amount of waste that is, you know, so simple things like that. It's Well, we're seeing it. We're seeing it on Morningstar. You open Morningstar now and there's an ESG rating. So it's, when I was working at Manulife, we had a, you know, some guy from RBC Toronto come in and tell us all about the stuff and make long story short is, okay, today the trend is, okay, I'm not going to invest in a company that isn't ESG. No, that's not the trend today. That's not the trend today. But in 10 years down the line, when generational wealth is transferred and all of a sudden I just got grandpa's money and daddy's money and now I want to invest in, you know, said company. What am I going to look at? It's different things than what grandpa was looking at. Grandpa doesn't care about the, didn't care about the environment. And, you know, rest in peace to grandpa. But now I care about our, our planet. And I'm not saying me personally, I do care about our planet, obviously. What I'm saying is most young people, one of the to- hot topics is the environment. It's That's because, what they care about. It's, you know, the craziest. And so in economics, there's the law of scarcity. So when you don't understand something, you tend to, or you don't realize it. Once you realize, there's kind of like a race of people rushing towards it. So the older generations, it you can see why they didn't understand the principles of sustainability environment, because they didn't really understand how their behaviors as a collective level 
was in, was kind of impacting this outcome. They, they, you know, like nobody was telling them this. Nobody was warning them. And, and the industrial revolution happened. What, you know, what were they supposed to do? What we started all these factories, these manufacturing plants, and then say, well, what? They're not good for the environment. No, they were focused on making money, and, building up the world we live in. And it wasn't something they focused on, you know, until now we realize there's consequences, regardless of good intentions. There are always consequences, but. At the end of the day, it's the responsibility for people like us to go out of our way to try to provide new solutions to problems that the past created. But we can't blame them. You know, it's it's it was just a lack of understanding or a lack of realization that we now have as a generation that we have to solve it. But and then I have a problem with all these young kids that go to the government and say you have to solve it. They can't solve nothing. They never have. It's up to people like you to do what you're doing with your product. Create a product. Go to a business. And say if you want to tell a story to your consumers and have your consumers continue to come to you, you create sustainability within your model. Within purely that alone, by providing value to your consumer, that alone respects the premise of sustainability. So by having a product that respects that ideology and that, that story, you just expanded your value purely through simple little actions that show, I do care. As simple as and that. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm sitting on the board. Uh, I'm sitting on the executive committee of a project called the Climate Solution Prize. Uh, and I'm sitting alongside some awesome people. I'm sitting alongside Denny Codel. I'm sitting alongside Stephen Bronfman. I'm sitting alongside Nico Rosberg, an F1 Formula champion. Uh, he runs a major green tech um, conference in Germany. I'm sitting uh, alongside Stefan Joachim, uh, you know, uh, CEO of Energis, where it's all clean tech. The, the point of what I'm getting at is we are offering a million dollars, a million dollar prize to an innovative uh, clean tech project in Israel. And a hundred thousand dollars subsequent prize to a Canadian clean tech project, and it's this kind of funding, it's this kind of excitement, it's this kind of sexiness that is going to allow us to move forward. It's not the government. You're a hundred percent right. The government will say we're banning single-use plastics. Okay, great, but who's giving the subsidy to the food distributors and to the restaurant owners to spend fifteen more cents on a fork, right? And the reality is, is we saw it in Montreal, Notre Dame de Glace, if I'm not mistaken. That's the, that's the place, the burger joint, they, they're spending, um, I think they said about $15,000 more a year now on their uh, paper cutlery and stuff of that nature. And the guy was on CJ8800, and, and I'm sorry, I hate to call him the guy, I, I forgot his, his first name, but he was on CJ8800, CJ and um, the, the, the reporter asked him, why are you doing this? If it's costing you more, if your bottom line is increasing, why, why, why are you doing it? He said, because we have to. Because if I don't do it, okay, no one else will. And that's the reality. And it comes back to the very first thing you said. There's a problem. Do you solve them or do you not solve them? Me and Dan were talking about sales. And I, I'm kind of like flipping the script a little bit here, but no, we're talking okay. about sales on the, way to, uh, on the way to lunch today. And the first thing I said to, to Dan was that I don't really believe in sales. I only believe in relationships. And when I started working with Site 2020, uh, I came in as a co-founding team member. I told my best friend, who was the CEO, um, best friend at the time, put that in an asterisk. Um, but uh, yeah, what I, what I was telling him was like, we are never going to hire a salesperson. We are going to hire a consultant because what a consultant does and what a salesperson does is two different things. A salesperson shoves something down your throat. A consultant comes in and helps solve problems. And now coming back to the environment stuff is, we have a global problem. We have a national problem. We see it in California, the forest fires. We see it in places like the Middle East, extreme climates. We see it in Quebec. You had last week 13 degree weather on Christmas. How does that make sense? 
And then this week it's what minus ten. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but was it wasn't it like thirteen degrees last week in, in Quebec? It's warm. Yeah, it there, was warm there, yesterday. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with that. And I alone, and it comes back to this hashtag that we have, I alone can't solve this problem. What I can do is I can say, hey, look, Nick, I have this straw. It comes in paper. It's clean. No problem. You can use it. It's 100% edible. Look, I'm eating the straw. It's 100% <laughs> edible, okay, because it's natural. I can throw it in the ground and not worry. And we have all the resources in the world. We have all the resources in the world to create products like this, you know, and create things like this. There's no reason why we can't start at the bottom level. It's crazy. You know just, yeah, go yeah. Ahead. No, I was just going to say, not everything has to be the next clean tech software. Not everything has to be the next $500 million acquisition. Don't get me wrong. I get excited about those things. Those are things that wake, you know, want, like I want to wake up to do those things. But for right now, this fell into my lap. And for right now, I see a problem and I am selfish if I don't match the solution with the problem if it's in front of me. And if I never came across this, maybe I would never have searched for uh, the eco utensils. It's not something I thought I would do, but because I saw there's a, and I know there's a problem and I saw a solution, I have an obligation as a young person to do something about it. And that goes for any business. I just want to chime in here real quickly. Um, that was a great sales pitch, by the way. You just you just chewed right into a straw because it proves a point that yeah you can eat straws and people have it's a little su- like a subconscious thing like when you're chewing when you're sipping on a drink you always want to chew on a straw with this you could just see he's eating it right now no but seriously um and all like this is what serial entrepreneurship is it's you don't have to be the next like tech guru it's about problem solving and like you're hitting the you're hitting the nail like just right there man like that's exactly what it is the nail on the head as the expression is i always fuck those expressions up i apologize but um when are we going to see more people that do this and there are a lot of people that have the potential they just haven't been exposed to the idea that you are able to sell things you are able to provide value you don't need a business degree to start a business i mean go down here in florida like there's kids that are starting you know, businesses off their, their cell phones. It just so happens that with Ben, I mean, there's a little bit more capital costs involved, but I find just your energy from it. You're so committed to that one goal. Right. And that's really to make a difference in the environment. And if you really are passionate about that, why not pursue it the whole way? See, my problem is when I go around, I talk to some people, it's like, Hey, what do you do? Or like, you know, what, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? You know, some of them are just like, yeah, well, I just want to like, retire like when i'm like this or like i'm gonna die i'm like in my head and you don't want to be disrespectful right because at the same time like people just think maybe a little bit differently but like i find everybody is on this planet to solve something okay it's not it's not like don't 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 live your whole life just trying to help other people get rich right you want to find something your niche your your bread and butter and then build something out of that and i know that nick and i we know a bunch of people that are that are really like serious entrepreneurs um we've had a lot of guests on recently too that are pretty much like all entrepreneurial by nature because they have a mission statement they have a purpose and i find like ben you have that right now you're just like the moment you create see that's back to the storyline the moment you create yourself a purpose uh, a story starts to develop and the moment of the story starts to develop you start wanting to align yourself with the the, the the out the output of that story and then you kind of become too passionate to deviate from it i just i just want to add one thing real quickly i find when you're passionate about whatever it is that you're doing you know 
any obstacle becomes like a minor thing for you. It's just another bump in the road. And for some reason, most people just don't see that. They say like, oh, this is happening to me because of like, you know, because of so-and-so or this, that. It's like, no, dude, it's happening to you because one, it's a lesson for you to learn. That way you don't fuck it up later on. And the second thing is, hey, this is a test of my mental patience. Because entrepreneurs, you guys have, we all have to be patient to a certain degree, right? There's no, it's not going to happen overnight. And the whole idea that Instagram recently is painting this, you know, get rich quick, especially Nick, we talk about the Forex traders all the time. Mm -hmm. I know Ben, we were talking about Forex traders before, but it's just like, no, that's not how it works, man. You know, like this is going to take years. I find Ben like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say like, Ben, like you're committed to this. You've been doing this for, for over, you know, a year and you're still, you're still going to keep going at it. But it's, I find it's really the lack of, um, it's a lack of delayed gratification, you know, they don't want to defer their consumer behavior. They don't want to defer their enjoyment, their pleasures because, well, they want to have it now because, well, I don't want to have it when I'm 40 years old, I'm too old. I need to have all this stuff now, but that's a luxury that has never existed in humans history ever. Only millennials and younger people start thinking this way. And that is a destructive behavior because that will only fuel the consumer behavior. And that will prevent people from focusing on trying to solve problems. And then back to your thing with the uh, entrepreneur, that's, and that's what a new age warrior is. Warriors have to go through practice and years to make themselves optimal warriors or else they'll never become optimal and they'll die. An entrepreneur has to face problems or else he'll never know what his risks are. He'll never know how to go above a, a challenge. He won't know how to create a network. He won't know how to solve problems. He won't know how to talk to people. If you don't know how to do all those things, you can't be sustainable as a business. The word sustainability is present in anything that wants to transcend time. So if you want a business, mm-hmm. If you want to transcend time, your business by model has to adapt sustainable principles. And if it doesn't, then it'll just cycle and vanish with time because you did not become aligned with positive human behaviors and sustainability. Yeah, and I think I think that touches on on the the lean canvas model, you know. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the lean canvas model, but like essentially the lean canvas model is you are going to do as much as possible with the least amount of possible possible. So down to the point where like, you're not even going to write a business plan. You're going to fill out a canvas that has your major touching points, your, the resources you need, the problems you're solving, the, your, your competition in, in a one page format. And you go and attack those things and you do it lean. Everything needs to be lean. When you're starting a, a business, especially a tech yeah. business, you know, in this business that I'm in now, it requires some capital because look, we're testing uh, different products, we're importing, we're exporting, we're moving, you know, containers. Um, so it's a little bit different, but generally speaking, you know, I've said this to every single person. A lot of people have, have messaged me in the last, I would say, three, four years. And they just asked me, like, you know, how in university were you able to start this business and get this recognition with the school and then work on this other business and yada, yada, yada. And I said, let me tell you something. Don't ask. Don't ask. Just do. Try. You're too busy. You're just too busy focusing on, okay, wait, how do I do this? How do I do it? No, 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 no. Oh, you want to go, you know, whatever it is, figure out traffic control or construction software. Go speak to a construction, somebody literally doing the flagging of the construction site. Oh, you want to solve uh, the, the problem we were solving with our, the first platform was uh, student skill sets. And it's a, it's, a, it's a platform I think that we're going to end up rebuilding. But to make a long story short is uh, we were trying to bridge uh, the, the gap in tangible skills 
versus, uh, you know, hard skills versus soft skills, essentially. And we we're build building a marketplace for student skill sets. And a lot of people said to me, how do you get started? How did the school end up giving you 50 grand? I, I don't know. I didn't go to the school and ask them to give me 50 grand. I went to go speak to students who told me they lacked experience. And then I went to speak to hiring managers and they all told me, well, we need two years experience to get this job. And I looked at them and I said, how can you possibly expect a student? You want to hire a student. How do you expect the students to have two years experience in this field? This student's working a job at a bar. Start. We need to find a way to bridge those two things together. And all of a sudden, it started rolling. It's a perpetual uh, snowball effect. And so I wanted to just come back to what Dan was saying about these challenges. I truly believe that this is like my analogy on it. And I, I have two very famous analogies. Anybody who knows me who's ever going to listen to this will know that I've said this before. I, I just spoke on another podcast called Shining Light. And I said this there, and I'll say it again, is I have two things. My first thing is that Every single experience, challenge, success, uh, literally day-to-day -day experience, even when you go to the restaurant and you order with that good-looking server and you're not really sure how to, how to talk because she's a little bit, she's good-looking and you're not really sure, every single experience comes down to it being you standing right before the plate. And if anybody knows baseball, they know that you're swinging the bat just to warm up your arm. But when it's time for you to be called up to the plate and you swing, you're ready to hit the ball and you don't get hit with the ball. And so every single experience, like Dan is saying, whether it's a challenge, how you deal with that challenge, I didn't expect to go B to C, but now we're just poured in a, a bunch of money and we're going complete experience online. And I showed Dan at lunch this rebrand and it's taking sustainability, what it is, what we have now at least online to what is coming in the, the middle of January is a whole new experience. It's going to make it sexy. It's going to make it feel like something I would want to touch. Before I got into this project, I didn't know too much about the environment. And now I'm realizing how important it is. And you see the movie stars, you see little Dickie, you see Zac Efron, Leonardo DiCaprio, all these people, you know, they are trying to make the environment sexy because it's important. And the second analogy that I, I you know, everybody thinks I'm an idiot for saying this, but I'll say it, is that people are so quick to try to, oh, I have this great app idea. Oh, I have this great software. Oh, I have this great, great business idea. No, you don't. No, you don't. And I'll tell you why you don't. You're moral. And I'll tell you why you're a moron. You're a moron because what you think is right and what you think people are going to like might be 100% on point, but will they use it? Don't go and build a shoe and then find a foot. Go find a foot and build a shoe around it. That is my number one go-to. When anybody asks me, how do I get going? I say, stop, don't call a developer. Don't put your, you know, your $20,000 bar mitzvah money that you have saved up from your bubby. Okay, don't put it into this app idea that you have. Go find 100 people that need this value that you're claiming you're going to create and then build your shoe. Have your foot, build your shoe. And That's those that, are my two main points. I was going to say to that, it's that, that just comes from purely people stepping outside of their bubble, interacting with others. Because there's a quote that there's a saying that goes, the only way to truly learn about yourself is by learning about other people. So if you want to, if you understand how other people behave, what they want, then you know that you can solve a problem. If you, in your own little bubble, try to solve a problem that you don't know how it reacts with the reality of, of other people, well, then you're going to go through all kinds of collapses and booms because you don't know how to solve their problems. You're trying to solve a problem you think exists, but not mm -hmm. one that reality validated for you before, prior to initiating that journey. Here's you a, can't build on hypotheticals. No. And yeah, that's where that's, just, just, just because I, this is my focus of shit. That's where our monetary system keeps fucking up because we keep trying experimenting random shit. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to chime in here real quickly with um, what you said. I mean, it is true, right? It, entrepreneurship is about 
you know, batting and taking, you know, when, when you're, when you're at the plate, you gotta, you better be ready. Right. But it's also another thing too. It's like, you know, if you bat four out of 10, six out of 10, that's still pretty good. You're not going to get 10 on a 10 out of 10 in baseball. And it's one find game. Me a, There's a thousand exactly. games. Find me, find me another, find me a batter that's doing 10 on 10. Like, I don't even think that's possible. And I don't even like baseball, but it's a really good expression as to like what this life is about too. Sometimes I think the other thing too, is like, you know, Ben, you said like, I don't really like to call it selling. The reality is everybody's selling every day. Right. Whether we think, whether we think so or not, it's like when you're telling your friends, Hey, let's go to this restaurant or like, let's go to this nightclub, let's go wherever you're selling them on that idea. People don't realize that at the time. Right. And then, you know, the, the funny story that I always come up with, and I'm sure Ben, you've cold called so many businesses as a result of that, but like, I've been doing cold calling for the last five years. Um, I don't know. I just, I enjoy it. And people are like, how do you just pick up the phone and call a stranger? I'm like, because a stranger could be your next big business partner or your next big client. Right. So strangers are really just friends you haven't met yet. Mm -hmm. Somebody told me that when I was younger and I was just like, okay, like I'm going to run with this too. But yeah, I forget who it was, but like, dude, like the fact that we have a society too, that is, you know, scared to even pick up the phone, but will take a phone and story themselves in Cabo on a beach and refuse to cold call or just, you know, introduce somebody to a new, like themselves to a new person. It just blows my mind. So there's it's a, like, there's an Italian comedian that was making, that was, that made a joke a couple of while ago. He goes, remember when you were a kid and it was normal for people to go to your house and knock on the door and you would yeah. answer the door. He goes, nowadays, someone knocks at the door. The first thing you're doing is running and hiding, closing the lights and making sure nobody sees your, your shadow move because it's, people it's, are afraid. Everything's just shift. Every, everything's been frowned upon, but I mean, look, it's, it's the new reality. I think, you know, digitally getting leads or getting new clients, like, yeah, you got to adapt. Like Ben is trying to convince me to get on TikTok. I'm already sold because I saw the work that he's been doing. And I was just like, look, you could either be left in the dust or you can, you know, adapt with the times. It's the same thing with Bitcoin. I didn't believe in it two years ago, Nick, I don't think you did too. Ben, probably the same thing. Now look what's happening. So, um, I think no, I, I, I believed in it. I bought Bitcoin in 2016 and I sold it in 2017 and I'm shooting myself in the face for that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yo, but you know, number one thing in investing is you never regret a profit taking moment and you never regret something occurring that is unlikely to occur because this okay, is an look, unlikely if I, if occurrence. To, if I'm allowed to regret it, then that's my one regret. <laughs> okay. If, if you give me permission. <laughs> because no, you, I, you, didn't do, you didn't do anything wrong, you know? No, that's it. Look, I saw I saw a bit of extra money, and uh, again, in 2017, I was uh, I was still in university. I was three three years into my degree, working on all these projects. Hey, I saw a couple extra thousand bucks. I was going to take it. Who would have known that I would have gone to twenty five thousand? But if I would have known, I'm going to call it my one. <laughs> but you know what? I just want to say something. What Dan was saying is that you know the the four out of ten, six out of ten. I use that same mindset with everything. I go to a bar, or I go to a club, or I go out for dinner, whatever it is, and I tell my boys. And I, I don't mean to sound like a chauvinistic asshole when I, when I say this, but I tell my boys, you have a goal to talk. If you want to get laid tonight, you have to talk to 10 women. Because if you talk to one girl and she says no, well, you're definitely not going to get laid. If yeah, you well, talk our to, odds against us as guys to begin with. Well, that's it. You want to talk <laughs> to 10, 10 girls. Seriously, talk to 10 girls. Eight of them are going to say no. One's going to give you your, 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 like her, her phone number. And the other one might, might, if you're lucky, at least hang out with you afterwards. And that, that's my philosophy with everything. And so I think, Dan, you, you hit it on the head when you said, like, there's no one that's going 10 out of 10. 
Michael Jordan didn't go out 10 out of 10. He just kept shooting. Especially and I know the beginning. It's sound. Well, that's it. That's it. And you know what? It's, uh, it's, I find the failures, and again, it's going to sound cliche, the, the failures are lessons. True. But the, it's not that the failures are lessons. The failures is like the GPS. Oh, you made a wrong turn? Reroute. You made a, oh, you made a wrong turn? Reroute. You'll still get to the destination. It's just not 100% clear because you're hitting different construction spots or traffic spots. So you're rerouting, and that's it. And you can't look back. Like you said, there's no regrets, not just with investing. I wish, you know, in some days I wish I never got involved in the entrepreneurship stuff at uh, Dalhousie because it delayed my degree by two years. But if I never got into the entrepreneurship stuff at Dalhousie, I would never have maybe got into law school. I would never have got involved and met the people I've met. So, you know, one day is uh, left. I wish I did this. Another day is I never, you know, look back and regret a moment. The balance between the two is where you find the peace. And uh, I think everybody has an obligation to themselves to at least attempt to get their feet wet. And unfortunately, like Dan said, most people are scared. It's intimidating to get I think, started. I think, it's, I think that is a primary causality of the schooling system that creates the fear of failure. Because the moment you do bad, you're automatically shunned, punished, and rejected. So it, it, you, you're afraid to fail because schooling doesn't inspire an environment where failure is not the is not wrong it's more of the lack of trying again yeah failure is really punishable in school now don't get me exactly. wrong i think i've been saying this for the last two years i think education is due for a massive disruption and it's like i'm not trying to disrespect any of the hardworking people in school like i've got buddies who graduated with straight a's they're working at major you know investment banks or big consulting firms like they're really smart people kudos to them and they're they're absolutely crushing it but it's not they're the outliers. They're the outliers. Agreed. But they're, you know, they worked hard for it, but no, no but that's point, what I meant though by an outliers, you know, they yeah. did it. They're just the abnormal phenomenon because the average mean does not produce that outcome. Exactly. So, but what I wanted to say with that, with school in particular is it's like, it's a cookie cutter approach right now. That's mm. designed. It's not designed for everybody. It's not know? flexible. I like and it. it's just not a flexible solution. And I find that when you teach people that failing is actually a bad thing, like, We've actually been brainwashed in society to think that, oh, I should never take risks. I should never do this. And I'm sorry, no risk, no story. It's a quote, it's a cliche, but it's actually true. Well, the right? most beautiful stories are the ones that comes from the underdogs, the one that try to break barriers, that push limits. There's no beautiful story of someone that's wealthy and just stays wealthy and vanishes and does nothing. There's so, no story in that. So I want to, and I, I totally agree with that because, you know, everybody has a story. You just really got to take the risk and now it's the time to do it. But Ben, I want to ask you real quickly, man, like how important to you is having a mentor? That's like, you know, for me, I think that's a really strong point, but how important is, is it to you? And like, where, like, what have, what have they taught you that, you know, had they not been there, you would have not figured it out by then or whatever it was. So, so it's interesting. I, I, I don't know if I was, given a gift or whatnot but i find that the relationships that i've been able to create with my mentors um and i won't you know share any names um but you know dan you know you know offline uh, who some of my mentors are um but i find my mentors are not only bouncing boards for me but they're more reaffirmation boards they're confirmation boards for me um so i find that i've learned a lot from my mentors but it's also a place where i feel that i can go and share a left field idea and not get shut down and say keep going mm -hmm. that's right or you know I, I was i was telling dan about this story of somebody that i know um and and th this person got into school 
uh, and they used, uh, they, they took out a student loan and the student loan that they took, uh, they went and reinvested this student loan and, you know, a 2% interest rate. And, and so this person was telling me the, the, the story and I, I was telling Dan this story um, and they, they reinvested this loan that they got for 2% and all of a sudden, all of a sudden they're making, you know, 18, 20% in the market and they've leveraged the bank's money. And I was talking to one of my mentors and I, I shared this story with one of my mentors about somebody that I know who did this. And my mentor said, that person is going to be successful because that person understands the way the system flows, um, you know, money and, and trade. And so going back to your question, Dan, is I find that I don't know really how people survive um, when it comes to this game of business or when it comes to these, uh, you know, this, this idea of growth, this ideal uh, life that people want to create for themselves, because everybody's ideal is different. But I will say one thing is that without people who have already done what you want to do or are in the places that you want to be, you're really just guessing. And so I don't use my mentors to, hey, Mr. Smith, hey, Mr. Jones, can you tell me what I should do next week? No, I say, Mr. Jones, this is what I'm doing next week. Then they say, you're an idiot, keep going, or you're an idiot, don't keep going, whatever it may be. So it's kind of hard for me to answer that question, what I would do without my mentors, because I think I'd be doing the same things. But like, really, I think I would. I think my mentors are more of like the psychologist for, um, you know, maybe the basic white, white girls. Yeah, it's my, well, my you, business. There's, like, less, there's less, I find that there's, if you, when there's people out there to validate your your moves and your actions, it helps you adapt quicker because you know, okay, he seems to validate. I can go deeper into this behavior. Oh, he doesn't like it. Why? Should I shift something or is just, it's his personal interpretation. Like it allows you to question yourself because you get an external force to challenge your thought process. And then that makes you question yourself. And then when you, if you could find more confidence, even from that by stepping further into it, better for you if it makes you step back then you have to question yourself why am i stepping back yeah no, I, I think it, i think that's 100 percent it and, and you know i know i didn't really answer dad's question but it's because i i have a very uh, different situation um uh, my, my father is a congregational rabbi and i've been fortunate to um to grow up around some very prominent business people and um like i said i, I won't say names out of respect to them but i have different mentors for different things I have a mentor, he's a retired bankrupt trustee, and I go to speak to him, nothing to do with my business projects. I tell him about them, but I, we, we don't really get into them. And then I have another mentor who is completely, completely self-made, completely self-made, runs a massive public company now. Everybody knows the, the name of the company. And again, I won't say it out of respect to, to, to him, but the point is, is he is somebody I will, I will bounce business ideas off of because he, like you said, will validate these left field ideas that, you know, will make me feel like if the same idea that I might share with my family at the dinner table, will think I'm absolutely berserk. Uh, he'll say, no, you're doing the right thing or no, keep going, or don't keep going, that's, it's time to fold your cards. So it, it's a hard question to ask because of my particular situation, but I do think that everybody needs somebody. And even if the person isn't where you want to be, I think a lot of people underestimate the power of age. Um, age is just a number. It's all about the experience. And so I know it sounds like cheesy, like, oh, well, like, obviously, if this guy's 60 years old, he has more experience. But no, like, that's not necessarily the case. Everybody should have an outlet. I don't necessarily look at them as mentors. But I look at them as outlets. And I think most people do have their own outlets. Some people, it's not even a, like a physical human being. Um, but Dan, I don't know. It's hard for me to answer your question because I, uh, 
I have a very particular situation and my mentors are all unique for, you know, for different things. We all see mentors don't always solve. They don't have to be the same purpose for everybody. As long as you find meaning behind what it is and in itself is a teaching moment. Like I think originally true mentors are just actual teachers that are not what traditional teachers are now, because back in the day, like Aristotle was with what Alexander the great, well, he was his teacher, but his mentor at the same time, he wasn't just some, I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. And I think the reason I asked that question is because most entrepreneurs, they usually have like, you know, a specific group of mentors, but everybody's kind of got like that different niche that they're slowly trying to figure out. But I find with like a mentor in particularly, like I, I have one too. And, you know, they've run, they've, they've been in business for well over like 40 years. And the one thing that they kept saying was just like, look, like if it's something that you think is going to add value in society, if it's something that you're is going to require not the craziest amount of work, but it's going to require you to put your head down and do it. And every minute that you put into it, you feel like it's worth doing then go do it. Right. But if you don't feel like it's going to give you that value add, not necessarily satisfaction, uh, but the value add that you're looking for, then probably don't do it. Right. Like Nick and I started this podcast because we just wanted to do it. And to you know, talk to people, like you're saying in the beginning, right? Just yeah, talk to people. Just talk to people just to get to know because everybody's got like a different type of story. Everyone's on a unique path. But at the same time, it all comes back to one common thing, which is essentially, hey, how do we help? How do we make this? How do we make this planet a better place? Right. Because there's all this political bullshit. Yes. You know, Nick and I, we talk about politics all the time because it's part of the system. But, you know, there's all this shit that's going on. And like people are talking about like what happened on the news the other day. You know, what's going on in like Nashville? I don't even know. But somebody had to tell me that there's like, oh, there was a bombing in Nashville. It's like I'm not even focused on that. Yes, that that is shitty. Like, I hope everybody is OK. But it's just like we've become such a society that's based on consumption that like you need people who have done it in the like for many years that are you know light years ahead of you to come back to you and at least say hey you're worth my time i want to work with you and let's build something and i'm going to help you build something as a result of that i think that's just an important thing and most people they don't tell you that in school they're not going to tell you hey they don't go tell find, you a lot in school you know so the, the, they're not going to tell you hey like find this mentor uh you know based on what you what they like Go find somebody that has what you want and then try to just, you know, ask questions and work with them. Because at the end of the day, though, you got to be careful. Their time is valuable too. Just I'll as just, I'm just going to say this as an outsider. Uh, you, you, I think culture has a huge impact on this. And I'm an Italian kid. My call, you know, we're heavily correlated with Catholics. I'm, I'm not a religious person, but like meeting a lot of Jewish people, you start realizing you guys have an entirely different culture and it kind of helps to fuel the ambition that your culture seems to have you know like as an italian in my culture there's a lot of ego there's a lot of wants but it's like it's just a lot of talking and also mm -hmm. i find there's a huge cultural component to the way a lot of people behave and there's like we're not i'm because of dan i'm meeting more jewish people and there's a lot of I, you know it's it's a it's a very it's a behavior that's almost very non-existent in my ecosystem you know it's like that's i interesting. I'm very, very a much lonely person in my world. That's why like when I meet people that I like and I put myself out there, I kind of link them onto me and I say, okay, come over, hang out with me, talk to me because it's such a rare thing in my world. And I find, so I find that your culture seems to fuel a lot more of what you guys are doing than in my assist, in my world. Mm -hmm. No, I think, I think it's interesting because what I was going to say is, is that um, when I was younger, I'd be invited to all these different, uh, whether it was parties or whatever, 
entrepreneurs. And uh, again, like my, my parents, thank God, have been able to provide me an amazing life. Um, but there's definitely people around me that had a lot more. Um, and all kinds of things. There was kids in our in our communities that were getting, uh, you know, crazy cars, a hundred thousand dollar car when you're 18. I had to work when I was 16. I worked because, uh, you know, again, my parents, thank God, were able to provide me an amazing life. But there were certain things that they weren't willing to do because it didn't fit their values and culture. And so when I would go to these uh, people's houses and like certain kids, you know, eight, 17 year old, they would get a Rolex for their birthday. I'd get a dinner out, you know, and I would see this stuff. And a lot of my friends that were, you know, similar to me in terms of their upbringing, they would say, hey, kind of like, screw these kids, like, they're, they're, they're rich douchebags, you know, and I said, no, you don't understand, this is the motivation, if you want this, don't hate on these people, you can't hate on these people, this is your motivation, I would go to people's house parties, and the parents would come home for the kid, who's, and I would talk to the dad, and I like, I was just that guy, like, I would talk to the dad and be like, yo, like, so like, what do you do, like, you know, like, what, what's your business, and like, I was that guy, because I find that the culture, like you said, really affects what you see, what you hear, what you want, what you don't want. And it's, again, the perspective. Is it something you want to go and get? Or is it something you want to talk about going and getting? Or is it something you want to hate on people for having? And when my friends would do that, I would tell them, no, you have it wrong. Like, even though we're 16, 17, you got to be thinking about when you're 30, what is, what did that dad do to be this successful, to give his kid a $100,000 car? What did he do to have his kid have this massive house available to him to, to throw a house party and so I think like you said the culture is very different in, in all communities um, and, and I don't like to say religion because ultimately I'm uh, although I'm a traditional Jew I, I believe we're, we're one people we're one people of God and um, what, what it comes down to for me is just the where's the where and why the why why what's the why do you have the fire or why don't you have the fire and some people just don't have it and that's okay too like some of my best friends like they're comfortable with what they have and they think I'm crazy because I don't want to take a job like they have. And they like, dude, you're selling straws and I'm, and you're in law school. Like, well, what are you doing, man? And I'm just like, just don't worry about me. Like, it's all good. <laughs> I, I actually love that mindset because it, it goes back to the old adage of like, you know, rich people are bad people. And that's like the stigma that's like surrounded the world and it's still, it's still being peddled today. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, they're such bad people. They rob people. And I always ask myself, I'm like, no, no, no. Let me ask, you know, if I see, I'm not like a crazy materialistic person. I know Ben, you're not probably like that as much as like most of our other people that we know. And I'm not trying to chirp anybody. I'm really not, but this is just what I'm observing as an individual in society. But like, I would love to own a $300,000 car. You got to look at that and say, okay, not, oh shit, I can't afford that. I'll never be able to afford that. But open up your mind too and just be like, hey, how can I get that? And I find that when you open up your mind and you ask a very open-ended question, this is where the sales comes in, by the way, (laughs) uh, when you ask it open-ended questions. But when you ask like that specific open-ended question of like, hey, how can I get to that level? You start challenging your, 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 your mental capacity and you start thinking, okay, what actions do I need to take today, tomorrow, moving forward that are going to get me at least one step, even if it's like half a step closer, you know, because at the end of the day, and I know Ben, you'll agree with this. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're not staying the same because the people that are staying the same have already without, with all due respect, I think they've just given up. Okay. I know this is not a nice thing to say, but like you're either getting worse or you're getting better. So like pick what, which direction you want to go. And I always think like, you know, in Florida here, you drive by like these nice friggin' condos and you're like, how can I get that? 
you know, not, oh, I'll never be able to afford it, but how can I get that? And I find that serves as like a constant motivator uh, for, for, for the day to day. Yeah. I, we, we have a very uh, problematic generation with everything. We, we do. We do. But See, it's, 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 you, can't, you can't blame the generation though. And, and this is, I have younger siblings hmm. and, I, and I say this to them all the time. I like, I, I made a joke to my younger sister. I said, like, tell me how, how much screen time do you have on your phone? Open your phone. Tell me. And she said 12 hours. I was like, do you realize that's half your day on your phone? But you can't blame the kid because the kid didn't grow up with anything but that. And so when people hate on the generation, I don't think it's the generation. It's the behavior. But that's it. I think the difference is I was just telling Dan about TikTok. And I'm live. Actually, I've I've been live on TikTok. I'll say hi to everybody. (laughs) We have like 10 people on right now. But what I'll say is, is that you can either be the one scrolling or you could be the one creating content. I don't post anything but a little business here, a little business there, stocks here, stocks there. And in three months, I've grown to 4,500 followers, over 15K likes. And again, I'm not out for the followers or for the likes, but it's a creative outlet. And so I tell my younger sister, I'm like, you love psychology. The kid loves psychology. She's very interested in the brain. She's, she's taking psychology and teach up now. She wants to become a psychologist. I said, you, you, all your friends come to you for like advice, whether it's with the, the little bullshits that they deal with. I said, why don't you start posting some of this stuff? You don't have to put your face, post little quotes or whatever it is. Build that following, build that engagement. Use the social media outlets for a positive and not to waste time scrolling. And I truly, I'm a firm believer. I know we say there's problems with this generation. There are many problems with all generations, really. But I don't think we can blame, and I, I will defend them as much as I can. There are issues that I can't defend them on. But I will say that you can't blame these kids for uh, you know, having their devices in their hands and whatnot. It's what they do with those devices. There's 16-year-old kids that are making a shit ton of money every single month selling nonsense online, whether it's shoes, shirts, as Dan was saying before, whether it's uh, cards, whether, you know, and you hear Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, I know you know Gary Vaynerchuk, and I don't know you, Nick, but I, I, I know yeah, you know Gary Yeah, Gary V, so, the Weiner library and everything. Uh, that's Media it. And, you know, and, and the thing is, like, the guy repeats everything he says in every video, and, and that's okay, too, but he has also shares a message of being positive, being happy, and also taking, I don't want to say advantage because I don't like that word, but I'm going to use it, taking advantage of the times we live in. And there are some kids, and God bless them, at 16 years old, are making a shit ton more money than a guy who's been working in, uh, I don't know, let's just say uh, uh, for, as an executive for a company, uh, for a mid-level company. And, and so we do have a problem with generations, but we have problems with all our generations. Yes, it's Fair, but I'm 27. Okay, same age. I'm going to be 26 in May. And so there's people our age that are equally as distressed for whatever their reasons mm-hmm. are for being distressed. And it has nothing to do with the phones and it has nothing to do with, um, you know, it's their, their own reasons. And so um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I, I've been trying to find it in my heart in the last couple of years as I, you know, have created this uh, different relationship with my siblings who are now, you know, 17 and 20, um, who, I, you know, just a couple of years ago, were way younger than me. And I was like, oh, you guys are little aliens. You have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> and, and now I feel like, no, no, no. Like, we need to show these kids that, oh, you see the Charlie D'Amelio's, you see the, 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 the Bryce Halls of TikTok and Instagram, you see these guys and you're like, wow, they have 70 million followers They're making 100K a post. Okay, now scale that back. Let's make it relative to what you can do today 
why can't you make a thousand dollars post? Why can't you make but look, I was going to say was it, what I'm going to say though, in terms of that is this is in terms of economic sustainability, if an entire generation, let's say the younger people all want to make money online doing stuff like that, the economy wouldn't be able to hold itself together because it's a, it's a focused heavily on a tertiary principle of a sector of the economy, which is leisure pleasure stuff, which doesn't give value to the economy in terms of strength of the dollar and productivity and true wealth. So a lot of the, those industries can only exist or the way that people make money can only exist off of a strong economy. If there's no strong economy, people like that are almost impossible to make money. It's a, and it's do you a, not think decentralized currencies, decentralization is going to change that? No, 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 100%. So it really, it really depends on how you make your money. If you're someone who makes money internationally, Okay, well, then you're not as susceptible to the, eco the local ecosystem. But if you're someone who's primarily known in Canada, but the Canadian economy has gone to complete shit, well, guess what? You're not going to make any money because no Canadians are going to give you anything in Canada. It, it, it's relative. It, it, there's no clear answer. It's really relative to where and how you're making your money and how the economy as a whole sustains that output. Because at the end of the day, if there's no one working, no one really serving other people, and you just have kids that want to go on social media and just take pictures, well, guys, if no one's producing real wealth, no one's paying you after because you need people to pay you by producing real wealth, real luckily, money. Luckily, it's luckily it's a two-sided marketplace, and the majority yes. of people, the majority of people are sitting on the side of uh, not producing the wealth. So there's still plenty of room for those who truly want to jump into it mm -hmm. there's still a lot of room so, yeah. so i do agree with you there, there, but there it, is a problem but okay and now if i was going to say look to go back to before just in terms of the behavior thing that was purely in terms of like an ego perspective because mm -hmm. of the older generations the barrier that they create around the young people including millennials we they created a massive barrier around us they didn't allow us to challenge reality. They didn't allow us to go out there and experience things. They didn't allow us to try to fail a business or try to work at the age of 15. Like a lot of it was protected. I, my parents didn't want me to work till I was 19, 20 years old because they wanted me to just focus on school. But then you realize, oh, it does not reflect much of reality. So what happens is a lot of kids, they get this education and then they think that they built this massive ego that they think they know everything. But then you step mm -hmm. into the reality. It's like, no. And the very fact that you believe your ego is that inflated has a negative consequence on the collective because then people have to waste time fighting with those very people to change their mind about things that they just didn't challenge reality with yet. So they don't even know. So we have to fight with people. That's why so, I find there's a lot of conflict now. Yeah, no, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible when you think about it too, because um, I've actually had to spend the last three years unlearning things from university you know, the habits, like I had to spend the last three years just rewiring my brain, you know, whereas the kids who are younger, they have a choice right now, if they can really see it, right? Like Ben said, hey, if there's like a 16 year old making $16 million on TikTok, there's a reason they're doing that, right? They're, they're outputting content almost every day, right? And with marketing in particular, because this is all marketing at the end of the day, um, it's all about frequency, right? You just got to keep posting stuff, posting stuff, posting stuff. And look, I'm not trying to brag here or anything, but I was able to get a few clients for my business as a result of Instagram. It's the same thing with TikTok. It's the same thing with Facebook. If you utilize it as a tool, because that's really what it is at the end of the day. 
when you look at the psychology aspect of this, I totally agree with all of what you guys are saying, which is essentially it's fucking people up because all they're doing is they're going home and they're scrolling for 10 hours. And the next thing you know, 12 hours are gone. They haven't done really anything. But I think this also presents a really unique opportunity, maybe something that most people are not really talking about, but the really boring businesses actually are the ones making the most money. Now, if I'm going to use Ben's, Ben's business as an example, this is a boring business, but there's a need for it. There's yeah. a want for it. And there's a consumer demand that is essentially going to pick up in the next few years. And if you stick to the plan, right, Ben, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of job creation that could be made from this, right? That's what they don't teach is like, Hey, how can I, as an individual create a job, right? University teaches you, Hey, how do I get a job? Mm -hmm. Getting a job is easy. It's so easy. I could literally, you know, like I don't, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of the majority that went to school, but like, you could literally go to a restaurant right now and be like, I will work for this much and I'll do it. Are you going to be happy? Probably not. But my point is, it's easy to get a job. It's hard to take that risk, make that leap of faith, dump all your money into the business and then try to be a job creator as, as a result of that. So I think that's where, and I, I, again, I'm not disagreeing with any of what you guys are saying, but I find that's where like the common ground is, mm -hmm. is that there is also a unique opportunity to be a job creator. And if you could do that, you're actually giving back to society in a way that most people just wouldn't understand. Man, I want yeah. to ask you. I, I, I'll go. No, yeah, I just want to jump in. Firstly, Dan, I 100% agree with you. Though. The value of creating employment is uh, also something that when, when people talk about the hierarchy of who runs the world and all that stuff is that is something that's super important. If you're, if you can offer jobs, you're good. We, we saw it, we saw it with, uh, well, not Bombardier with, um, what's the company in Montreal that just had all those issues. Uh, anyways, whatever the, the, the government buyouts and bailouts. That you oh yeah. Creating jobs is on another level. But Nick, I wanted to just touch on something you said quickly, which was um, these egos that come out of people that are coming out of schools uh, and whatnot. And, and I think it's funny because um, this goes back to like this very first project that I was working on uh, that the school endorsed. And um, it's interesting because, you know, people leave, like you said, school, they have their 3.5 GPA and they think they know it all. In reality, it's just so not reflective of what the real world is. And there's two points that I wanted to make. The, the first point is that, you know, I think um, the very the, the most sad thing for me about coronavirus, especially having younger siblings, is that one just started Concordia University, for those who don't know what Concordia is, and uh, CJEPS, uh, Dawson, uh, the other one started, and they're both online. And you know what I said? I said to my mother, I said, you know, the biggest um, impediment that is happening to your two daughters right now is not the fact that they're learning online. The biggest impediment is the social development aspect that they're missing out on. That is so much more important than anything they're going to learn in a textbook. And the reason is, is because that social development aspect is what is going to take them to the next level. Unlocking those chambers in their brain of interacting with people, of having relationships, speaking to professors, asking tough questions in person, not sitting behind a screen. We know these kids are good at sitting behind screens. They do 12, 12 and a half hours a day. And, you know, to, to, to further that point is when I was working on this project at Dalhousie, um, I, I was asked to meet the, the dean of the university and uh, the dean and his uh, right-hand man, was a VP of external affairs, Stephen Hartland, a, an amazing guy. Um, he said to me, he said, Ben, I need to ask you a question. I said, uh, yeah, for sure. He said, let, let me ask you, are you trying to take out our co-op program with this platform? I said, no, I'm not trying to take out your co-op program. I'm trying to work with your co-op program. You know why? Because your co-op program, and I said, with all due respect, please don't kick me out of your office, is bullshit. I said, I don't have a 3.5 GPA. 
yet your school just gave me $50,000. I wasn't eligible to work a co-op to represent your school. I guarantee you that I could represent your school better than anybody that has gone so far into any one of the jobs that were provided by the co-op program, but I wasn't good enough. And it only serves a small population. So that really tells me that grades mean everything to the you know, perspective, perspective of the, the school and you know, how the school looks because it's all about exposure. I said, that's bullshit. So this platform is not here to replace. It's here to complement for those who aren't good enough on paper. But the reality is those who are not good enough on paper are also probably the ones who are not good enough to bat when it's time to bat, who are not good enough in real, for real life. Because I know plenty of people are 4.0 GPAs, but they cannot stand up and defend their philosophy or their, or their, their, their talk. Reality yet, is a different ecosystem than school. And current, like the, the back at staying at working at home, it just fuels people to want to stay at home, work from home and be employees. It doesn't fuel anything else because, well, I don't want to go out there. I don't like people. I don't want to deal with people. I don't want to try. I don't want to fail. Those are all things that are being fueled by the very nature of how we're being taught in our educational system. And it's creating deteriorating trends and behaviors in the younger generations, which as time shifts on cycles through generations, we become the primary body in the economy. We end up becoming the CEOs of major companies. We end up becoming the politicians. We end up being in charge of everything. And if this is how we're behaving as a generation and it's only getting worse, how does that, how does that reflect in 50 years? It's a negative trend, not a positive trend. It's going to be exciting. Your 50 years are exciting. You know, me and Dan were talking over uh, breakfast. We were saying that, you know, Dave Portnoy, you mm-hmm. know, five years ago, no one knew who Dave Portnoy yeah. was. Thing. His father said, who's this Dave Portnoy guy? And the thing is, Dave Portnoy, okay, he doesn't come up, sit at the table and say, I'm the most educated man in the room. I'm the most well-spoken man in the room. He speaks himself, transparency. But he has a voice now that he's created a, a successful business, Barstool Sports, for whoever doesn't know who Dave Portnoy is. And the reality is, is I think more people resonate with that than the person who's well-dressed is going to speak. Why, why does Trump have a following? Okay. Whether you like Trump or not, I'm not going to get into that because that's a whole other conversation. And that might destroy this whole podcast. And it's been a great one so far. But what I will say is, is he has a following because he doesn't act like a politician. And he doesn't act, pretend to be a politician. He says it as it is. He's a businessman. I'm not here to please you with my big words and whatnot. And I think that's what we're going to see going forward. And I, you know, truth be told, I hope that's what we see because the layman is no longer needs to be dragged along the street through some big words and some false promises. But, you know, Dan, I'm going to cut that one off right there because I know you're, you're going to go off on a tangent and I want to keep the, the keep the audience here. Can, can I, I just want to, okay. I, so I want to deviate this just a bit because I want to ask you back in terms of your products. So I know you're talking about yeah. in a, innovation and certain things like, so I follow, cause I like to follow trends from dynamic, psychological business. Cause I mean, it all tends to replicate and find itself in the ecosystem one way or another. So some stuff I was watching, I, I had seen was that they're using shellfish as a way to produce reusable and um, degradable plastic. So mm-hmm. it, it, because we eat so much shellfish in North America and everything like that, but instead of going to waste, you could take that and you can produce, put it, uh, create it into a dust form. And out of that produce a reuse, a biodegradable plastic from shellfish. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating, but then I'm sure for in your case also, there's, the economies of scale component, right? So obviously for you, it's going to be as time goes on, more people get onto this, that the costs are going to come down eventually. 
or is that a barrier you kind of don't see? Uh, no, no. Well, firstly, I mean, rice in particular. So for the straws, for other products, no. Um, and I'll jump back onto what you're saying, but for the rice in particular, where we produce in Vietnam uh, is the rice capital of the world. The prices are, you know, I was, I was just talking about this with somebody uh, who I work with. Uh, th- like we follow the rice index, okay. uh, how much rice costs uh, to produce. It's very cheap to produce. So for us, the economies of scale will come down more on the actual manufacturing side, but not the raw material side, right. because it's so, it's very cheap, the raw yeah, material. Yeah. But so. coming back to the, to the, shellfish is what you're saying is, is firstly I, I just want to clarify something it's not fully biodegradable okay it's, compo- okay. it's compostable because what they do is, is they take the material they mix it with a cpla which okay. is like a biopolymer and then they turn it into this this kind of plastic so it's better for the environment okay. but it's not 100 percent natural okay. Okay. and okay. Okay. i went to visit an amazing amazing factory in mexico in morelia uh last october and what they were doing is because uh mexico is the avocado uh, mm-hmm. capital of the world they were taking the pits of the avocado, they were turning them into the same kind of thing, some sort of flour, mixing it with CPLA and turning them into different products, forks, mm-hmm. knives, spoons, the whole works. The only thing is, is that this is the big catch. The big caveat is the fact that, you know, Canada, for example, and I'll just use Canada, they don't have composting facilities to handle these kind of products. So compliments, and I was it's so funny, I was just telling Dan this, uh, literally, again, over lunch, is that um, CBC did a segment with compliments. And I don't remember if it was the, the spokesperson or whatever, the executives or whatever it was, they, they were interviewing him and they said like, you know, you, you say that this is 100% compostable, but you do know that in the greater area of Toronto, or the, whatever they call the GTA, uh, the greater Toronto area, there is no legitimate composting facility. So this ends up in the landfill anyways. And he said, that doesn't mean anything for us because we tested them in, in California and in California there's composting facilities. So we can, we can stamp on it and say that it's mm-hmm. composting. And she said, so you're basically saying you're greenwashing consumers to believe that they're doing something correct, that they're doing something good for the environment, but truth be told, you know, that it ends up in the landfill. You should be ashamed of yourself. That CBC put this out there. And so when, when you, you ask about the, the clamshells and the, this, there's a lot of resources out there. Yeah. There's a, a company in Thailand, BioEco, um, they produce things out of cornstarch and candy, candy cane. Uh, and I've worked with them and I went to visit them in Thailand. Phenomenal work that they do. Uh, and they use all kinds of natural resources. They mix it with CPLA. Way better for the environment than the plastics. Not as good as all natural biodegradable. So do you agree so, that there's a huge... So from what I'm understanding, I think that there's a huge problem in terms of the educational side of sustainability and how to, how to look for specific type of products as a consumer. Like clearly yeah. there's a huge gap in the marketplace between what people think and what is reality. There's a, there's a massive gap existing. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think the most important thing is, okay, sure. Change the consumer mindset, but when you're changing consumer mindset, they need to know yeah. the difference. So, like you said, like, so Most who people like, don't know the difference between compostable and biodegradable. So then, like, give it like, do you, like, who are some names? Who are some people? Like, where's who are some channels? What are some sources that like? Because I like to add these things to my list because, like, I like on average I spend about eight to 12, 10 hours a day on media, but it's because I'm mm-hmm. watching analysts, I'm reading information, so it's just part of my sources. So like, who are some people that people can go to or look to in order to understand better, bridge that gap? Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna pull up. Uh, there's there's a page that I, I always tell people about. For some reason, it doesn't. It's really bad. There's a lot of there's a lot of places that I uh, that I follow, but I I'm bad with things that I I should say I, I care about. But um, 
Yeah, you know what? Firstly, follow us on Instagram. EcoSmart yeah. Eco Eco Utensils. Follow us. We're rebranding to EcoSmart Supply Co. because we're opening it up beyond the um, supply. I, I think really you what you want to look at is the the UN has an amazing environment program. Okay. Um, I would follow them online too. I get a lot of cool stats. Uh, there's a, a project called the UN Project. Um, I think you, it's, at, it's at UN Proj online. Um, there's a lot of places. I'm going to send you some links offline. And I know for the podcast, you want, you know, you want me to share with um, the followers, but I actually recently been steering away from a lot of media outlets um, besides like what we were talking about before, using it for my own mm-hmm. use. Um, and that's because I don't really trust what's being pumped out anymore. Mm-hmm. So even when it comes to the environment, I yeah. think, you know, and it's crazy to it's think, fair. 100% uh, I, fair. I, I, I don't really trust it. So I do a lot of uh, reading um, and I'll, I will send you some links, but I find the UN environment project okay. is the most holistic from a global perspective um, because, you know, we have problems in Canada, but what is Canada really doing? They like, like, t- like if you, can you tell me one thing as a, like as a, a person, what is Canada really doing about the environment? Apart, uh, apart uh, from uh, raising the carbon tax, I mean, I they're just really there's, there's just promises at this yeah, point. It's just right? promise to get me in, vote me in, and I'll spend your money in places I think I know best solves the problem. That's that's the behavior of a politician. So I don't ever think they solve anything. We're ever going to solve anything. I really think it comes from the marketplace. So people like you or people that want to solve problems. So I think that from what I'm experiencing, I feel like maybe initiate uh, there should be an initiative that focuses on education of these specific subjects because like i'm someone who's very attentive to information i pay attention and i'm very critical but in terms of eco sustainability and real information it's scattered i, I get so bits that's, of, that's, i get bits yeah, and pieces everywhere so i don't have a very standard uh place to absorb as much information as I can, because there's no real platform or no real source for that. So for me, it's very chaotic. I think, I think we found maybe a potential avenue for Ben to work on his website. Because it it adds value. That's that's what's coming in in, uh, January when we launch this new website. There's going to be a blog, uh, and I say blog just because I don't know what it's a better term for it, but it's going to be the educational coin of what we're doing. Because like I just said to you, even I, I'm working in this, and I don't have major outlets that I follow because I don't believe it because I believe they're mostly politician-driven. And yes, so, exactly. you know, I, I ask you the question, what do you, what, what's going on in the environment? What do you know as a person who's not involved in the fire? Nothing. Nothing is, is really like in our faces like it should be. There like, are some good things. Like I know in Montreal, the, uh, the, the, we, we were told all the time, recycle, compost, and everything. And then I, I know for a fact that Montreal, it all goes to the same place into the dump. Like we don't actually Bullshit. do anything. So they our tax ta- credit, they get a tax credit for saying that. You know, it's- Nevada, the state of Nevada, they have a program where the, in the hotels, they go and they pull out all the plastics and they see that they're going somewhere else, uh, another facility. It's bullshit. The state of Nevada gets a tax credit to do this. And you know See, what? I and that's don't... tax credits. So that is subsidized by the taxpayer. So people are paying politicians to manipulate their ecosystem. So you see like that's whole, that's it's, it's the whole part of the, the, the misinformation and manipulation of our ecosystem that our, our, our money gets abused to do things that inherently we don't even want them to do, but we're not aware because no one's educated. No one's, you know, like we're trying to focus on economics and finance and behaviorals and entrepreneurship and finance and all that stuff. But 
it's because there's a gap there and we know there's a massive gap for our generation. And then you look, it's like, well, there's gaps everywhere. There's gaps everywhere. everywhere. And, but you know what? It, it comes down to one thing. It comes down to we're living in a world of alternative facts. Uh, you turn on one station, you hear one thing. You turn on another station, you, you hear another thing. So I can be sitting here and I could be the Dr. Fauci of the environment and I can tell you one thing, but I promise you, you'll find something that will contradict everything I say. And that's why I don't like to read too much about this stuff because I know, if you might say it's 10 years that we have to live and I might say it's 25 years and you might say that the carbon uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, prices are too high. I don't give a shit. What does that do for me? Okay, it's good to be aware, but it doesn't change the fact that on a day-to-day basis, I need to self fucking trust. I need to sell forks and knives. I need, you know, I, I need to eradicate things with plastic. I have another question for you. Have you thought of creating a podcast all about this? About the purpose about- of sustainability? It, one, business to business, person to person, you create, a, you create relationships without even, even having to sell anything because, well, it's your world. I'm just saying it's, it's a way to talk to people. Especially- I'll tell you, I've been, I've been told to start a podcast. You know, as you can tell, I, I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy interacting. I've been told for a long time, so for like four but or five it, years Because it aligns, right, with education. want to educate, uh, provide a platform where you can talk to businesses, people that are in this industry. So you expand your own network with very little minimal effort, and then it aligns back into your very product. So there's a story, and there's something people can support you on. There's a brand think, behind I- it. I think Nick wants equity in the business. Just <laughs> no. I, I was just going to say, are you asking me to be the third co-host here? <laughs> you know, it's, it's people need to find ways to educate and create a, like, you know, like I get the product you're creating, but the marketplace clearly has a massive gap uh, mentally and in terms mm-hmm. of understanding. So as a job of an entrepreneur is obviously you're trying to enlighten people and create and close up that gap. So writing, focusing on providing information, education, and the podcast is just, I'm just, I like to just throw ideas out there, but it's just a way to create an expanding ecosystem for your brand and your product that just facilitates its exposure. So Nick, when are we getting started? <laughs> when are you coming to Montreal? Yes, uh, when are you coming hopefully back? Hopefully never. Hopefully <laughs> never. No, I'll, be, I'll be back Jan uh, 5th. I'll have to quarantine and uh, make sure I don't see anybody. Well, when you come, well, anyway, when you come back, I'll send you a copy of my book so you can read. Yeah, absolutely, man. And okay, is but, uh, we, I, I like this stuff so we can talk more. Yeah, yeah no, man, absolutely. I, I love this kind of stuff. Like, look, Dan said to me, you want to jump on uh, the podcast? I said, absolutely. Let's shoot the shit. Like, and, and I said to him this morning, I was like, what are we talking about? And the truth be told, it didn't really matter what we talk about because I'm the kind of person who could like talk about anything whenever, like I like to just shoot the shit. Um, and, but he said it, a free flowing conversation, whatever, we'll kind of keep it in line with this stuff. And that's the, that's the way to go. That's the way to go. So, um, you know, I, maybe I do have to stop making excuses and why I don't have a podcast. I've been doing it for the last four years, making excuses. I just find that, um, you're, yeah, it's all excuses. I don't but you remember, so just to give you, there's, there's no, there's no, there isn't really any cost uh, associated with podcasting or providing information. It's just time. So mm-hmm. it's really the only thing. So, like I like writing. I, I, you know, I write on the blogs, and honestly, I find it's a way for me to build my own intellectuality, criticize my own thinking, and help me just put information out there. That if in 20 years from now people finally really read my shit, well, guess what? That's 20 years I've been writing and thinking about these things. That you come back to me, my mind might have completely changed from what I wrote 20 years ago. But because I'm focused on challenging my thought process in my mind, well, at least I know my path is forward. Like you were saying before, mm-hmm. it's only back or forward you're moving. Writing, writing and allowing me to educate myself gives me a path forward. I think, I think the other thing too with uh, 
podcasting is it's just, you know, it is time consuming as well, but at the same time, it just gives you another form of marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, people, people will like message, you know, me and Nick on Instagram be like, yo, your stuff is like something unique. Right. And like, I find that's available, but Ben, I'm putting you on the seat here right now. You're the third person I know that says, Hey, I'm going to start a podcast that's yet to do it. So when are you going to start one? <laughs> I don't want to name call anybody here, but <laughs> He's right, applying I'm pressure. Talking. He's lighting the fire right now. But you know what? I'll say you're probably like the 15th person to ask me that question. So now I'm in real big shit, you know, because I've been saying I'm going to start a podcast. I have been saying it. Um, look, I, I don't know. I look at it like this. There's a lot of saturation in the entrepreneurship, in the, you know, mindset space. And right now I, I'm riding two highways i'm riding the law school highway i'm riding the business highway and i do i am a firm believer in narrow vision so really all jokes aside i i find that uh, a podcast for me would be a great outlet um but i want to I, I don't i the thing is i've been saying this for four years so it's not valid anymore i want to i want to say like i want to wait till i have something more clear cut pull pull uh, the trigger man pull yeah, the trigger see, that's yeah. the thing now, that's the thing though it, when we started this, it, 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 it's like we were in the middle of the ocean and then compounding time, every step forward, it aligned more and more. We talked to more people. We had, we're focusing in more and more. And on we, our, we, we, we don't we, want to tell you who's coming on in the next <laughs> few episodes. Cause it's a pretty big surprise, uh, but as soon as the momentum starts going, man, it just builds your, you know, you're trying to build a brand too. I think it's brand building is huge. You right? can, you build your, you can, you indirectly build your own uh, reputation purely by being respected and talking to people without even needing the, you needing to really force your reputation into the market because the market ends up respecting you by default, since you're the one always putting yourself in that environment to learn from everybody. So you build your own brand and name indirectly. It's not even purely from just saying, well, because I am, it's, I've talked to a thousand people all in this ecosystem. I know exactly how each one thinks. I've had my mind criticized by a thousand different people. I've seen a variety of different things. Pre pressure's on, Ben. Pressure's <laughs> on. I look at it like this. I am a big firm believer in just getting started. I said it earlier. And if you said to me today on this podcast we have this business idea and i believe in in the business idea i thought it was viable and there was value that was going to be delivered i would jump in on it for some reason i don't know what it is i have no idea what it is when it comes to the podcast it's you are not the first two people to say to me you, you should start podcasts now you're in the hot seat it's been four or five years like when i was at dalhousie like back in like 2015, 2016, people were saying to me like, yo, start a podcast, man. Like it's sick. Like, like you should definitely do it. And I was like, yeah, yeah I'm going to probably do it next year. Like when we're like further along with this. And like, now you guys are saying this, man, it's 2021. I'll make you, a, I'm going to make you a bet, a deal. I'm just going to hold myself accountable. By the end of 2021, I will have a podcast with at least 10 guests on it. You heard it here first. Dan, I want you to hold me to it. And it's going to be, it's going to be, is it going to, the premise is going to be on sustainability and stuff like that? Surprise, man. He, he, let, him, let him, let him brainstorm. But we, <laughs> again, you heard it here first, guys. You heard it here first. He is going to start a podcast in 2021. He's, he's, he's holding, I'm holding him accountable. Nick too is holding him accountable. And I'm sure anybody that's listening to this episode is going to hold Ben accountable as a result of that. So look, look step, step one was committing to it. You know what? <laughs> I, I've spoken it out loud. It's been too long that I keep saying, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm going to do it. Nick, 
we'll get some sustainability in there because we determined there is a major gap. I asked you one question, you had no idea. And to be honest, I'm in the environment and I still think there's limited resources. Uh, and of course, look, there's all these Canadian, like, I just want to go back on it for a second. There's all these websites, you know, Environment Canada and all this. Yeah, but you see that, that is scrap. And, and there's, yeah, exactly. And, but then there's also like the We Love the Earth, the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation. And I, and I like, I like um, what little Dickie does. Like, check it out, honestly. He does a really good thing. Uh, but what, what I'll say to you is, is that there's obviously gaps and there's gaps in a lot of things. And so maybe the reality is, is that locking down on one topic or niche is not the answer because we've learned for so long, look, the Ty Lopez is uh, the Gary Vaynerchuk, the Grant Cardone's. I know Dan is, uh, is uh, King, King at 10X right here. But, but what I'll say is, is that um, maybe it's not the niche for the podcast right now because there is a lot of saturation. I'm not sure. Um, but maybe we'll have you on for something else, mindset, whatever it is. I just, I, I'll tell you, Dan made me sign a non-compete clause. So the only reason my podcast wouldn't happen is because I, I signed a non-compete clause and it might, it might compete with you guys. Shots fired. Because shots the way, fired. I, the so way, way, I was, way to wrap this up though, I'm not going to lie. I, I, just because the way, right the way I was thinking of this was that it would be awesome to be able to know that I could go to a podcast and then you're talking with sustainability lawyers, environmental lawyers. You're talking about with UN people focused on environment. You're talking with politicians. You're talking with business people. You're looking at the business side of business consuming. You're looking at the business side of people providing solutions. You literally create the ecosystem that you get to talk about everything and anything you want to talk about and that you know the gap is lacking because no one else is focused on it because everybody's taking a very um, biased uh, perspective on how they're trying to put out information. But I don't think there's a very objective, neutral platform where people can see everything from every there's, angle there, and every there, side. There's one thing I'll say about that. And I guess we'll wrap this up because we've been going at it for, for quite some time. Uh, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. And the idea that I find the more you try to think about all the content that you want to create, um, you just put yourself in a paralysis mode. You know, the key, the key for us is we just, you know, well, Nick and I, or we'll have, you know, people come to us, you know, and say, Hey, like we want to be on your podcast. We're like, all right, sure. You know, just put yourself out there. It's a form of marketing too, right? And I think Ben, you do that with TikTok, anyways. So, I was I, doing it with Instagram. And you as could well. create all kinds of podcast snippets for your exactly, TikTok. Exactly. So, I got guys. I mean, this, this is a great conversation. We'll wrap it up here. Ben, where <laughs> can the listeners find you on Instagram and on social media? Yeah, well, uh, at Ben Bright with two T's. Ben dot Bright two T's uh twitter what's my twitter i think i use twitter a little bit i'm the brightest ben i think it is i am <laughs> the brightest ben i'm pretty sure that's my handle if not uh, whatever message me uh and then tiktok i've been going at it more business and stock stuff less uh environment related stuff but most importantly keep an eye out for our rebrand which is coming eco smart utensils it's changing to eco smart supply co uh, so you can find us online. It's all going to change organically. Um, and in 2021, uh, hopefully you guys can blast out a little uh, a little link to our website. I'm uh, putting you guys on the spot now, but hopefully you guys can blast out a little link to our website and share with the listeners. But really, I want to thank you guys for having me on it. Really, it was fun. You know, sometimes uh, like you get on these podcasts and people uh, blast you with questions and it's uh, it's it's stiff, for lack of better words. I, I like that. It was You're not the first one to tell us that. Yeah. <laughs> And look, it didn't require any booze to do it either. So <laughs> I, offer, I offered Dan a hard drink before we got started, but uh, you know, he said no, and it was still free-flowing. So, uh, Nick, it was a pleasure to be with you. Let's connect also. I'd love of to Of course. I just added you on Instagram. 
Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Let's do it. Um, and uh, that's it, really, man. I wish you guys also all the best because uh, this has been fun, and I'm sure I'm going to look out. You said episode 37 or something. There's going to be a surprise. 34? 35. 35. Yeah, this is episode 35. Ben, happy, yeah. Ha- ha- happy New Year, man. I know we're three days or four days yeah. left of 2020, the year that everybody wants just to turn the page on. But I know that for all of us right now is a good seed planting year to say the least. So I really appreciate you coming on. I know that Nick, we wish we were, you were down here and uh, it was sunny. I wish it too. Now it's all cloudy. So I think that's also a cue for us to hop off, but um, check us out at new gen mindset podcast, uh, or sorry, new, new gen mindset pod on Instagram and new gen mindset.com. And Ben, we're going to throw you in our next newsletter. It'll be out in the new year. Um, any final words, Nick, any final words, Ben? People, uh, they, I, I like this topic and people need to care about this more. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I'll say one thing, finish it off, Dan, is uh, you said a lot of people want to turn the page on 2020. Um, I think in 2020, uh, losers were exposed and winners were made. Uh, and I mean that like sincerely. Uh, if you were able to get through this year and do something that worked or do something that didn't work, but you tried, it was a winning year. And mm-hmm. so although it was a tough year, I think it really exposed uh, – the boys from the men and the men from the boys. So thank you again and happy new year to both of you. Same to you, bro. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. And guys, we'll see you next time on the New Gen Mindset podcast. Take care.